We are starting off this season with a very hot topic, Gen AI, of course, and its impact on our daily jobs, especially if you're a tester and what to do about it. Today's guest is a very special one. I've been waiting so long to have a conversation with her in the podcast, and this is happening today in this very first episode of the season five. She's Vera Babat. She is Abstractas Chief Culture Officer. She's a clinical psychologist and passionate about bringing together psychology, philosophy, entrepreneurship, um, nature advocacy, interculturalism, and much more. You will enjoy this conversation, I'm sure. So let's jump straight into it. Hello and welcome to Quality Sense Podcast. Hello, Vera. Hello, Vera. Thanks for yeah. having me. Finally, we are doing this. So my, my first question, are you afraid? Are you excited? What's your feeling? Afraid and excited, I would say. Um, and maybe it's a bit longer. It feels a bit like more like four, these four past months have been uh, the constant topic at mm -hmm. home, at least. Um, But there is a sense of great excitement and there is possibility everywhere. But every time you try it out, you try all these AI or the, these generative AIs, every time you do something, you're questioning, so what's going to happen next, right? There, don't you have that feeling too? Yeah, absolutely. And we have been uh, having this conversation for a long time, uh, meaning a couple of months. <laughs> about how how our roles in the company, how our roles in the society, our jobs are going mm -hmm. to change. And, and even the way we conceived our jobs is going to change. Mm -hmm. Any perspective to talk about it? <laughs> so when, when we were discussing this previously, we mentioned always to go back in history to think mm -hmm. about when was this? Happen. Has this ever happened before? And in a way, it has happened before, hasn't it? Yeah. In Industrial Revolution, that's what happened, right? Before, when the print was invented. This has happened. Technology has changed the way we conceive our relationships in other times. This is not the first time. There's something different, though, this time, isn't there? What is it? For me... It's this generative part <laughs> because at a point there was lots of stress put on manual work, in physical work that was automated, in repetitive things. Now, at that point, we used to say, well, there is creativity. There, there are all these human skills that are not going to be challenged by technology. That is yeah, going... Because in the past, it was always the physical labor, the, the cheap labor that was... Well, the... yes. And in many, in many countries, uh, this labor wasn't replaced by technology because it's so cheap, it's so underpaid, that then the technology does not 
compensate sometimes the investment of technology and they still have, well, low, low wages, you have poor working conditions, right? But in intellectual work, in, in knowledge workers, this was not a threat. Until now. <laughs> and so we are here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, probably this is the first time, according to what, what I understand you mentioned, this is the first time maybe in history that the intellectual work is it's, uh, at the stake. It's uh, that we are trying to find a way to automate it. So we were in a position where we were thinking, oh, our, my job is not going to be automated. And now we are considering for the first time ever that it might be a possibility in the following months, years or something that part, at least part of my job could be automated. Or, or my job can be automated unless I do it in a more memorable way. Memorable. It depends on how I do it. Like this brings me back to how, um, I don't know, how buildings were built, for example, mm -hmm. right? There was a time when every brick was signed by, by the creator. It was a creation, right? But then it became more mass processed or the way clothes were done, right? So then became mass production. Mass production took all that away from that. Like the craftsmanship stopped being so important. And we appreciated more volume over quality. There's something here about it. When we're talking about, well, we are needing lots of content to produce for our copies. Let's, let's think about copywriters. Well, you need volume. Let's have ChatGPT do the copies for you. You introduce some ideas and then off you go. And at that point, it works because it does it at a very rapid pace, it does it incredibly well. But after you read many of these, they become kind of repetitive, don't they? Have you tried it out? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, of course I, I try it. I'm using it, uh, I, I would say, every day. Uh, but, but at the same time, I typically ask other people the question, can you notice if this was automatically generated or it was originally written, uh, written for me, by me. Um, uh, because I, it, it's kind of, I'm checking if I'm still me uh -huh. <laughs> in the way I'm communicating with the rest of the people because I, I don't want to lose my identity. Or your credibility, right? Because yeah. now somebody else is writing and putting something in my mouth, like saying something in my name. Mm -hmm. So you, you've worked over this credibility, but now you go on LinkedIn and you don't know who's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Many times you don't. We are ourselves, by the way. This is me, a little bit makeup, but it's me. <laughs> it's not mid-journey style. Because we, we are losing touch with who's who. Is this real? Is this not real? Yeah, yeah it's happening all the time, when I read a, a piece of new content, meaning uh, after March this year, mm -hmm. I'm considering, was this generated with ChatGPT or with some sort of AI uh, tool? Mm -hmm. And uh, as you mentioned, 
many of the things start to have the same structure or the same sort of uh, sentences or style. Mm -hmm. So it's in a way it's kind of we were discussing this the other day. We are like normalizing all the different uh, different possibilities. If we think of uh, Gaussian uh, curve, mm -hmm. it's like we are losing the extremes. And uh, with every iteration, with more and more people generating more content with the chat, we are uh, providing more inputs in the future that actually those inputs were generated with the chat. So every time is going to be, we'll, we'll be doing things that are more, more and more similar. Mass production. Yeah, mass production mass again. Production. Less uh, personalized. Mm -hmm personalize or, or the, the art part of it mm -hmm. going to be unless you're willing to pay for it yeah and again we we are mentioning the premium experience yeah we, we are mentioning again something that is impacting the not only the way we work but also the society how the society works Mm -hmm. because uh, there, there will be a premium experience and a normalized auto-generated experience yeah. that probably is cheaper so we can provide more of that to more people that maybe today they cannot afford to pay the premium, mm -hmm. which is better in a way because we are increasing the, the, lower, the lower end. There, there is a democratization because, mm -hmm. for example, when we're talking about medicine, um, many people say that with generated with automated generated responses, uh, there is a democratization, for example, of uh, solutions of medical solutions, diagnosis in remote areas. Nobody can complain about that, right? Yeah. I mean, that should be great. And, and the egos of those who will be harmed well, it should be put aside because there is a greater good behind that. However, <laughs> there are egos of people that are going to be left aside. There are uses that are not so positive. There are other uses that can be, um, that need to be regulated, need uses that need to be considered on the impact they're going to have in society and the ever increasing this Gaussian curve that you were talking about, as we're flattening this curve, right, or we're making it more like a block, there is a, a greater gap happening. So we need to consider that the effect that this technology is going to have in our society and how to bridge the gaps so that we don't go into inequalities and 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 societies that are not going to be um, the places where we want to live, right? Where everybody, I mean, the impact this is going to have in the job market is definitely going to need, it needs to be considered. And yeah. there are many people that have been working on this that are worried. And when that happens, it worries me. It's like, well, if these people are, <laughs> if yeah. these people that know the impact that this technology can have are worried to this extreme, well, maybe it's something that we need to pay closer attention. And as people who are aware of the technology, we are early adopters who are using it. How can we help others 
use it uh, also and, and adapt the skills that we need to work for our workers to adapt to this very rapid. I mean, the pace at which we are changing. It's crazy. It's so rapid. Yeah. And, and you, you, you are asking a very interesting question because in most of the cases, I, I, heard, I hear people saying, what should I be learning today in order not to be excluded in the future? But it's not only me, the one who should be uh, enjoying a better life in the future, but we, we should care about the whole society. And so a different- Well, but that's, a, that's not uh, human nature, right? Human nature implies that we are all going to be asking first about ourselves, our loved ones, and then the greater good, because we have become very selfish also, uh, <laughs> as communities have eroded, you know, uh, Societies are not as closely uh, neat as they used to be. So people are finding very selfish solutions sometimes to this problem. Now, once we, we cover <laughs> the skills that we need to uh, um, hone in ourselves, we can share that also to others because there are some people that won't have that, that ability to bridge that gap between what is happening now whose needs are much more immediate. Or today I was talking to teachers who don't know exactly because they are not immersed in this world. They are immersed in other worlds. So we need to work not just with people who are um, seeing the problem now, but also thinking about the future so that we can help bridge that gap for other generations and we don't get lost there. So without... Uh... Keeping that in mind, I would like to also explore some ideas on how we can uh, keep our uniqueness, mm -hmm. our identities, uh, be useful or... or um, Getting keep, thoughts on that? <laughs> to keep ourselves relevant in the, in the society and in our jobs in the future, because trying to keep the conversation uh, focused on the audience that most of the people are testers or uh, software developers and, and in the technology industry, that we are part of this change. We are ve being very enthusiastic about the new opportunities that this techno technology is bringing us, uh, but also I'm interested in, okay, what should I be learning? Because after I get prepared for that, I can help others as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think that for the technology area, this is so filled with mixed feelings. Because on the one hand, this is a technological tool. So it's being created. And the enthusiasm, the early adoption, it's it's palpable. You, you feel it that it's a topic that generates lots of fascination. At the same time, it's one of the tools that can automate many of the tasks that people working in the IT business do in their everyday lives. So the feelings and the emotional roller coaster is daily. And I, well, I hear conversations about this on a daily basis. Now, 
you were saying, what are the skills that we need to hone, right? Um, and this is maybe one of the hot issues of the day, right? Now, there are new, um, new roles like prompt engineer coming up, right? What, what does it make you a good prompt engineer? Hmm. Um, that's a question for me. Yeah. Uh, probably, I, I, I've been reading about it and I've been trying to improve the way I prompt. And I was thinking that in many cases, what I try to do is to generate something more th that I feel more comfortable sharing. Like if mm -hmm. I'm writing a, an email, I ask the chat to improve the writing, to make it more formal, especially in English that is not my native language, right? So uh, make it more formal or more, but when I get the output, I understand that there are things that even if I trying to generate something formal, I wouldn't say, have said that in the first place. And what so do you do? Do you... I adapt the output, the output, and I I try to improve the 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 input in order to generate the, the, that output. And and I think this is uh, related with the prompt engineering, like trying to optimize the output for what you are looking for, according to what, uh, considering what you provide as an input. Is that aligned with what you have, have in mind? Considering what you were putting as the input. I, I understand that prompt engineering is very much connected to asking the, the right questions, right? Mm -hmm speaking as little as possible, being as as, <laughs> as summarized as possible so that you can make your prompt uh, more complete. But there's something that it's not very much, it's not very talked about, that it has to do with the previous knowledge or the general knowledge that you need to have to make those prompts or the curiosity that you need to question that prompt all the time. And, and that thirst for knowledge that we used to defend and say, well, this is one of our um, key core skills, our ability to learn, our desire for knowledge, that that we know that was um, a symptom of mental health even, right, of, of desire of knowledge, that still remains true, you know. I'm seeing that the more we... I'm, I'm changing my mind on this issue by the day, I would say. So don't today, <laughs> today I'm thinking a lot about how can we promote better skills for prompt engineering has a lot to do with how we can promote better understanding of the world. So curiosity still works. I'd like to take a moment to thank the people at Abstracta for sponsoring and helping me to create this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing and software quality that can help you and help your company to push the quality of your products and processes to the next level. How can we promote that curiosity in an environment that is challenging so, us so much that is making us feel obsolete or fear feeling obsolete. 
that is making us anxious by the hour, comparing us to a machine that does things so much quicker and showing us, oh, see, he's better, as if it was a competition. Sometimes they don't go hand in hand, you know, because when we're feeling obsolete, when we're so anxious, we cannot connect to that curiosity, that thirst for knowledge. And that is something that worries me hmm. because we are not having the environment that we need to feel at ease because you're, it's very difficult to do so when everything that you see that JetGPT does better than you, in a part, there's a part of your brain that goes with the alarm. So what's happening with me? What's going to happen with me? What's going to happen with me? It's like working <laughs> under pressure. Right, it's not the best way to express our, uh, our create creativity, or yeah. I, I see that there's a sense of urgency that we're working in, that makes it very difficult for us to to explore this. Hmm. And what about those skills that are typically um, the the typical response that what makes us humans and different from machines, like critical thinking? Well, you mentioned curiosity, uh, empathy. What about those? Well, I'm, as I said, I'm totally puzzled by this topic because most of Americans are using JetGPT right now for emotional support. Like one of the widest, uh, the, the, one of the uses that is wider, um, that is more, more used. So emotional support, something that I would have never said that I would see. You were one of those people saying, as a psychologist, my job is secure. <laughs> and JetGPT was one of the first things that he said. <laughs> For me, it's a he, sorry. Um, okay. And yes, because emotional support, this is something that humans are wired for this connection. But empathy requires non-judging or there's a part of listening that is very much associated with not judging. And well, you know, it's very kind. I mean, there is a decision there in the creators of the technology of making ChatGPT polite and very, and it's not just polite, but he's very polite. And this is something that was uh, frowned upon or scoffed at, you know, looked down as, oh, these are manners. But in, in the meantime, while they were developing this, this technology that is very polite and says thank you and, um, and always appreciates what, what your input was, whatever it was, uh, we have been talking on Twitter, being meaner by the hour, with each other and having eco chambers where we only get to interact with people who agree with us or shout out the other. So our coexistence is rougher as humans. We are losing that ability to coexist. And in the meantime, interacting with JetGPT is smoother. So it's like we appreciate someone that maybe it thinks differently than us, but it's treating us well. It's not it's treating us well, it's listening, it's interacting with us. It's answering all our questions. Answering, <laughs> it's saying, oh, I was not, I was not considering that, sorry. 
<laughs> this is not something that we typically get as an answer from someone else, right? Not. We're, we, we have gotten used to not receiving that kind of answer. We have gotten used to treating us in a logistic of power over the other. And we're like to see who's right instead of building this connection. And, and this has an effect, you know? And the effect is that many times we are curious, fascinated by teaching jet, at GT, at teaching jet TPT something and correcting and iterating the answer so that he, he gets us. And many times when we are interacting and we have to train somebody new on a job or explain something to somebody, we don't have that patience over the, with other people. So we're having lots of patience and we have the confidence that this technology will learn. And we are not having the confidence that other humans will learn. And that is the part where I become worried. Well, uh, <laughs> so in some cases, it's more human than us. <laughs> or we behave more humanly mm -hmm. with JetGPT than to other humans. You know, there, there is one thing that you are doing, that you are showing, that you are doing, that I, I think it's one of the most important things that get us apart from, from the machine, which is questioning the, the outputs, questioning what's happening, questioning what could happen, and the chat is on, only answering right yeah. now, at least by now. And uh, a risk that I, I, I see in this uh, idea, in this uh, curiosity also, is that we are getting more lazy at, as we get more answers and more things done by the machine so probably one of the most important things for us is to keep that curiosity to keep uh questioning the outputs uh of course critical thinking and and uh, applying all, all uh this knowledge that we had from before in auditing in editing the outputs yes and making it better and making it like something that we can relate to that output, right? So as a psychologist that works with you, I need to make two clarifications over that. Uh, one is that um, interdiscipline is very important and coexistence, knowing how to work with other people who are different from you enriches us. And this is not something that um, many times people in technology do. They, because we are from technology, we are building tools that makes us feel that we have all the all the solutions that the world needs depend on technology. But there are certain questions that we are not addressing. So I, um, I stimulate you guys on the other side to integrate more people from other disciplines to question more and to hear what other social actors have to say about these technologies that we are creating because they are they have serious implications in the world that we live in and the other thing is that these skills have a lot to do with those um or this ability to question is 
works on philosophy, right? And, and it's not something that we are inventing it. But our brain is very lazy. And neuroscience has something to say about this. It's the more, unless we use these abilities, unless we exercise this skill of questioning ourselves, of having dialogues, of having conversations and reflecting on situations, we're going to get used not to do it. And we're going to stop doing it altogether because we are obsessed with productivity. And this is showing us that, well, we can be more productive and we can. And that can be good for some things. But what are we going to do with those extra minutes that we're going to get? I think this is an excellent wrap. <laughs> and uh, a lot of food for thought. Thank you, Vera. It's been Thank you honor. for having me. It's an honor for me. Bye-bye. Bye. See you in the next episode of Quality.